afternoon, Savannah. It's your girl, Cherie, with another episode of Courageous Conversations with Cherie. I hope you are fantastic. Today, I am bringing you another very special guest, Savannah. This one is really near and dear to my heart, as if none of the others are. But I must say, I'm loving this one. It's exciting. I think this is a trailblazer. It is most certainly a courageous conversation. It is disruptive, I also like, but it's also <laughs> revolutionary, revolutionary. So we're going to do that in just a minute. Before we jump into that, let me jump into this and remind you that the viewpoints expressed in the following program are not necessarily those of WRUU, its license holder or its staff. And you are listening to W-R-U-U-L-P, Savannah, Georgia, 107.5 FM, WRUU.org. We are Savannah Soundings Community Radio with Global Soul. So who do we have on the line today? I believe I have Calvin and Natalie. You guys on the line with me? Yes, we are. What's going on? How are you feeling today? I what after yesterday? I'm yes. absolutely amazing. That was fabulous. Thank you so much for answering the call. I am so excited and so delighted for the work that we're doing. It is certainly work, but sometimes it doesn't feel like work. It said when you love it, you you do it for free, right? But absolutely. I believe this is more purpose driven. I believe it's divine. I believe it's destiny. I believe it's all about legacy, which is what our conversation was about on yesterday. Right now, Lily, I see you That's nodding. Correct. That's good. So I'm going to pass the baton to both of you. I'm going to say, Calvin, let ladies go first. Natalie. Okay, too easy, I, too easy. <laughs> Natalie, you jump in. Tell Savannah who you are. I understand yesterday you have been in Savannah for quite a while, but you're originally from New York. So why don't you just tell them how you got here, what you've been doing since you've been here, and, and how you two got connected, how we got connected. Wow. It has been a whirlwind. I've been in Savannah about 15 years. I came here working in radio, working for Cumulus Broadcasting. All right. And that's how I got to Savannah. The moderator for your panel discussion, Ms. Lydia Syed, she was the director of sales who brought me to Savannah. The reason I got here. <laughs> okay. So Savannah, basically I got here, life happened, marriage, kid, working for Safe Shelter for some time. And I also worked for Union Mission uh, since I've been here in Savannah. But my background is pretty much doing what yesterday was all about, putting together events and mm -hmm. getting the community aware and involved so that we can be that positive change we want to see. Got it. Fabulous. And you were the coordinator for yesterday with two weeks under your belt to make it all happen. Yeah, that was kind of like, try that. Um, <laughs> that was, that was quite a, a, a challenge, but it was fun. We did it. I can say the community really came together. The Progressive Center just was amazing to come on board and just said, they just opened their doors. They said, do what you need to do. Right. And, you know, and then with the other organizations just coming together and making it happen. And, you know, you hear a lot of criticisms or naysayers or what have you, but when the movement is going, it's time to move. And so I got with those who wanted to move and made it a little easier, you know, when you're going with the flow. Absolutely. <laughs> That's right. That's right. We're going upstream. We're not paddling backwards. I love it. Thank you. I'm going to come back to you in just a moment. But this whole thing was birthed or initiated by this young man. Calvin, why don't you introduce yourself? I am so honored. And obviously, you know, this show is entitled Courageous Conversations with Cherie. I'll put a little plug in here. We are totally naked, unashamed, and unapologetic with our truth. It had to take a level of boldness and commitment to get in action. So why don't you tell us what we're talking about today? So first and foremost, you know, the pleasure is all mine. All of this that has happened in the last 60 days is actually exactly 60 days today from when I created wow. the group on Facebook. To see in 60 days, 1.8 million people coming into the private group to see the support nationwide and everything. It's incredible. But this all birth, you know, this has been a journey for me, I would say even lifelong. I remember even as a child, there was a play I did at church. This was way back. I think I might have been like nine or 10 years old. Yeah. And I had to actually memorize 
you know, the autobiography of Malcolm X. Like when I was a kid in church, and like I had to recite all of these things. And so back then I read his, his actual autobiography of his life and not even knowing, right? I was, yeah, yeah. I didn't grow up in a like pro-black type of household. It was more, I grew up Church of God of Christ. Fast forward to these past three years, you know, it's been intentional and focused studying and reading and educating myself on every movement I could find that tried to free our people. Just going all the way back to, you know, Marcus Mosiah Garvey, you know, studying how he moved, even looking at the Nation of Islam, some of the things that they do, uh, looking at Malcolm X. And when you like trace the, the thread of redemption, I like to call it in terms of for Black people, it's very interesting to see that Malcolm X's parents were very integral in Marcus Garvey's movement. So Malcolm right. X grew up seeing his parents involved in what Garvey did. And then, you know, he had his his life experiences, but that foundation, he came back to it, you know, when when life came and met him. And then you see the spirit of Malcolm, it was resurrected with Huey P. and the Panthers later on, because when you read Revolutionary Suicide, you read Huey P.'s autobiography, and he says it was Malcolm that they studied that, that motivated and inspired them to do what they did. But when you study all of the movements, whether it be Garvey, whether it be Malcolm, whether it be Huey P., whether it be uh, Fred Hampton, I mean, of course, we always, everyone talks about Martin Luther King and all of the right. things happening, the civil rights movement. I mean, and then studying it from a different way, too, from an educational standpoint, because you had some some that did it in a more outright social galvanizing, and other people took the route of education. Frederick Douglass, W. Du Bois, uh, Booker T. Washington, mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and so many other people that who went into surgery and, and all these things. So I've been studying all of this, and so... When the Mod Arbery happened, it was just something clicked in me. I, I just couldn't take it anymore. You know, yeah, we've yeah. seen these videos time and time again throughout the years, and I, I just actually was interesting. <laughs> this book in my first video, the video that I posted, this book yeah. right here, I just had happened. To, I read books like Conversations, right? But I was reading that book. Where do we go from here? Where do we go from here? Wow. Where do we, right. And, and and I love where it says chaos or community. Saying the question like, do y'all want us to spaz? He frames his mindset. This is the last book he wrote. And we're talking after, about Martin Luther King Jr. This is Martin Luther King Jr. After yeah. the civil rights movement, he goes to Jamaica and locks himself in a, in a house for weeks with no yeah. phone, no anything to write this manuscript. Wow. And so I'm reading this, and, and his mindset is, did we actually get a win? We got the Civil Rights Bill. We got the Voting Rights Act. Like, we did all of this, but what did we get out of it? And, and reading that, in my brain, it's like, wow. Like, he was at that realization and that epiphany, and you saw him pivot, where he started to say, we're coming to get the check. You know, yeah. take yeah. your money out of the base. We need to economically protest. And then all of a sudden, you know, like... The bend to the mountaintop speech, people don't realize, like, the next day he got shot. Like, that way, yeah. you know, the sound bite. Like, after that, that was the message. Like, yeah, get him out of here. The bend to the mountaintop speech was about three years after I had a dream. Wow. They didn't care about that. Once he started talking about the economic protest, that's when it was a was an issue. And so with the Ahmaud Arbery, I decided, you know, at the end of the day, my name is Calvin Martyr for a reason. Would that be a social martyr or if it has to be a martyr? How does that be the intentional dismantling of every movement that has ever come has created this fear. And I hear it all the time because there's countless people that have come to me like, look, brother, you better have security. You better have this. I even had somebody message me saying I'm going to need secret service and like all this stuff. And I'm like, if the most high really covering me and if he's really doing this movement, which I 100% believe he is, then he's going to protect or he'll send the word or he'll send yeah. But we cannot cower in fear any longer. When's the last time we saw anyone brave enough to really speak on this stuff? In the manner in which it's being done now is Tupac. Yeah, right. So in the last 20 years, we haven't seen someone young that really stood up and was really speaking against this stuff in a manner to where it's going to touch some pockets of people that's not going to like it. Exactly. You know, they don't want Black unity. That's what sparked it. That was the energy behind it. And I can't, I'd be remiss if I didn't say, and I had a vision. Yeah, I heard this in my very story. I saw the video and then I had a vision and I saw all black people globally united as wow, economically, politically, socially, like we know who we are. 
and we're not seeing any difference between like we're a people of African descent who differ from us than our African brothers and sisters here in America or over in the world. Right. Or, or in Central America. Like me and my family went to Belize a few years ago and like I still got a Belizean flag up in my office right now because I felt so connected to them. It, was, yeah. it wasn't like, like these, they were black English speaking people in Central America. Yeah. But for us to hear the name Belize, you know, you think Hispanic sounds like, oh, that's Hispanic. No, you don't get it. That's, or Brazil, those are, those are African people. Like, they don't teach us. So we, we as a nation of people globally have so much power. Yeah. And the vision I saw is it, happening now. Like, we are rising up. Yeah. We really are rising up. The, the time is over. Like, something is different about now. You know, look, this is seriously in your veins and I love it. That's why I continue on and on and on. And you are so spot on. Listen, this is a natural conversation. We are seriously just going to have a dialogue. It is unscripted. However, I wrote down just a few questions. Thank yeah, you for that. Absolutely. Thank you for good questions. Because I've been, I've been doing some interviews and like they're trying to like, there's, not everyone, there's been a couple interviews where they try to come more so like, let me school you, young man. I can imagine. I want you to know that I am going for the root. I'm going for your heart. I'm going for your conviction. I'm going mm. for the truth of this, the motivation. I don't care about the surface stuff. You know what I mean? I don't care about the backlash that comes with it. Obviously, if you were smart enough to do this, you were smart enough to count the costs and know that everybody's not going to love it, right? So I'm not going to ask you those type questions. I want meat and potatoes. So we're going to pull back the layers, put it on the table. But before I jump into that, let me just unmute my partner. William Lee, are you on the line with us, man? Yes. Good afternoon. I am here. Great. Welcome to the party. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Absolutely. William, why don't you tell these folks and all of Savannah once again who you are? And then we're going to have you just jump into the conversation whenever you like. Yeah, sure. My name is William Lee. I am from Reesville, North Carolina, which is a small town close to Greensboro, North Carolina. And I reside in Charlotte. I am young, wise, and free. I am a young man, entrepreneur, business owner. And I have a publishing company, a trucking company that I had, and uh, looking to get that back going as well. And I am Cherie's partner with the bank, uh, but I'm also an author and a speaker as well, too. So very determined. I am very ambitious. I'm a visionary. I'm reliable, uh, just a young go-getter. And I have a legacy mindset as well. So I'm determined to make a few things happen. Amen, bro. I'm with all that, King. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can I borrow that young, wise, and free book? I'm yeah. going to credit you the first two times. After that, I'm going to be like, yeah, you know. You know some, I heard somewhere someone said, young, wise, and free. <laughs> I quote William all the time. He usually says that opportunities don't go away. They just go to the next person. And, Ooh, I, and I promise right. you, I say that probably more than anything. But here's a, I want to shift our conversation a bit. And... um. Natalie, you feel free to jump in too, girl. We're going to tag team with these guys, okay? We're going to play double dutch here. I want to insert a thought for us. Obviously, all four of us, we're two African-American women and two African-American males. And so I want to shift the conversation. I'm going to come back to you in a minute, Calvin, because I want you to truly clarify what this is and what it is not. Okay. From the horse's mouth, sorry, from the source himself. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to clarify. Yesterday was Blackout Day 2020, the launch of a tour, a nation, international, national tour, Blackout Day Savannah. I want you to clarify exactly what that means. I had the privilege of being a part of that. But before you answer that and unpack that, I want to insert this thought. I think many times that we, taking ownership of our own culture and where we are today, okay, underestimate one another. Facts. And yeah. here's a quote that I often say, if we continue to take each other at face value, we will mm. continue to rip each other off. So if I just look at you and say, oh, it's a young black man and draw my own conclusion, what they say, don't judge a book by its cover. Right. For us, 
as a culture, as a community, we mm -hmm. have to take ownership of that and say, okay, how do we recognize our own worth, our own value? And mm. Natalie, I love empowering women. My thought to them, all women, is we are treasures. Most people go after dinero. They go after money, you know, riches and wealth. It's not that. Think about who we are. And William, we've had this conversation, like what is it about black people that makes us worthy in one respect, yet unworthy in so many others? So I'm going to toss that ball. I'm going to let you guys just jump in wherever you'd like. <laughs> well, uh, in a nutshell, the organization behind the whole Blackout Day 2020 and the Blackout movement in general, because, like, there's more Blackouts. I, I already gave the word for the next one. The next one is Blackout Weekends. All right. So Friday, 5 p.m., we're getting the exclusive. Friday, 5 p.m. Yes. Saturday, 5 p.m., no spending, and then we're going to celebrate our black and brown businesses Saturday nights. And let's see how that affects the economy and Mm -hmm. And then, you know, we got some other target dates throughout the rest of this year as well, like certain holidays and, and et cetera. Right. The Blackout Coalition is a pro-solution, non-violent, anti-rioting, social injustice consequence movement. So hopefully people can see by now, like you said, there's been a lot of skeptics and, and critics and, you know, fair weather bandwagon support and all kinds of stuff. But, you know, I'm only echoing my elders and ancestors who right. had the same fight. You know, and when I read the writings of Martin, this is what he said was effective. And this is what he showed and proved to be effective with the Montgomery bus boycott. Mm -hmm. Economic protest is the one thing they cannot control. They, you go to work, we earn our keep, but no one can control where you spend that dollars. At the end of the day, when it comes to what this movement represents, is recognizing that the United States economy was built by design to have a permanent slave class. So talk about consumerism yes. and capitalistic society. In order to have a capitalistic society, someone has to be getting capitalized on. Yeah. So they took people captive, they dehumanized them, enslaved them, and then built wealth based off of their intellectual property. You just said it. Us as African people, we are so industrious. We are the purveyors of culture as it is known. African people are the ones who created writing, we created language, we created math, uh, mathematics, science, all of these things. Uh, going all the way back to the ancient mystery schools in Egypt where all of the Greek philosophers went and studied for hundreds of, you know, is well known, you know, before yeah. the libraries of Alexandria were tarnished and knowledge stolen, we're the epoch, if you will, of civilization. And that has never changed. Without Black people, without African people, peoples of African descent here in America, there would be no America, period. Wow. But yeah, I, I could go on and on, but in a nutshell, it's a pro-solution, non-violent, anti-rioting, social justice consequence movement. And it's just to wake the people up to realize we do have the power. You know, we literally got the statistics. We looked at the market watch. Like, I posted it earlier. Like, they, they lost all their games from Monday, yesterday. You know what I'm saying? Really? The, the NASDAQ snapped a five-day streak. They listed all these different reasons trying to explain what is it that caused this. Why at the very end of the trading window, the last hour, people start selling like crazy. You know what I'm saying? Randomly on a Tuesday. They, they're like, is it because of the coronavirus news? No. Uh -huh. that was, like, they listed is? all these reasons. They're like, out of nowhere, it went violently flat. You know? <laughs> Sounds like an earthquake. You know, after the earthquake, you can still feel the effects of the earthquake. So you're trying to say to us, or you're telling us now that there was an impact uh, result of yesterday's Blackout Day? Yes, the NASDAQ, the Dow, they saw a wreck effect now. Again, a lot of people are skeptical. They're like, that's not how stocks work. That's not how, but you don't understand how stockholders are affected by cultural news. COVID-19 news is in the culture that affects stocks because people sell. When mass people sell, stocks plummet, you see it did. So no, people economically protesting and withholding their dollars doesn't directly affect stocks, but the news of Black people doing that affects the hearts and minds of stockholders to cause them to sell out their stock rapidly, which does affect the stock market. So right. when you understand how that ties in, it's just like there's, I don't believe in coincidence. There's no way Every news outlet you could think of is talking about their blackout day and support black owned businesses. And then the stock market take a hit the same day, but we don't know what happened. We know. Y'all yeah, gotta say, 
But we know that is the whole point. That was the whole people were just, I'm glad we're talking about this now because it was just like the most popular question. How do we quantify the results? I'm like, you know what you mean? Like, right. I see the participation. Like, what more do you need to? That's how we do. We'll come with those those meaningless questions. When I've right. been telling people yeah. it's not about one day. It's about yeah. a it's about turning yesterday into an everyday lifestyle for us all. Absolutely. Absolutely. Period. Where we, yeah. we have to take care of our own. They're not taking care of us. Yeah. They don't care. They're not like do we have to list all of the atrocities they've done this? They do not care. They don't yeah. care. As long as we march and riot and, and do all of those other things, they're just fine. But as soon as we, as a culture, every other people group can come together and build their own, you know, I don't want to single nobody out, but but when we, it's a problem. Why though? Because we have never been designated and never envisioned for us to be anything other than the permanent slave class because it's necessary. And yeah. so we got a lot of work to do because it still exists. Over 4,100 corporate entities right now use contract labor with the prison system. 4,100. Wow. People are contracting individuals to work for between three cents and 13 cents a day. Yeah. I used to be in the server industry, you know, at least we're making 213 an hour. These wow. people are making 13 cents a day to produce potatoes and furniture, yeah. and license plates. And like, think about that. That's slave but I, th I think that's the point. Who really takes an opportunity to really think. But it sounds like you're an avid reader. You said something about reading like having conversations. So yeah, my big bro, one of my mentors and friends, Tommy Harris, I was reading the articles, the interview he did some years ago. And he was talking about how he discovered this thing of reading books like conversations. I've been an avid reader since I was a child. Mm -hmm. I think when I was in kindergarten, they test, I was reading at like a 13 plus level in kindergarten. Yeah. And so I've always, you know, consumed books, you know, I used to read books heavy. I was telling them last night about this concept of the shadow self. There's a book by Robert Greene, Laws of Human Nature. Uh -huh. And it's like 600 something pages. I've only read the first 11 because in those first 11 pages, I read about the shadow self and I can't, that was like three or four months ago. I ain't touched that book in like four months because the shadow self thing is just, I keep unpacking it and that's how I do. Like right now we're having a conversation, right? Yeah, yeah. And and whether we talk for 30 minutes, an hour, we're enriched by this conversation. Absolutely. That, that we talk about right now, I'm going to have to chew on that for a couple of days. I'm not just like, I can't sit here and talk to you for 10 hours and then I just know everything. And There's going to be stuff in the first hour of our 10-hour conversation that we'd be done forgot. And that's, I think we do that. We engorge ourselves with so many things, whether it be TV shows or relationships or friendships yeah. or yeah. We got this this consumerism in it's so deep that we want everything instant, everything we want to get everything out of it, extract it, and then be done. Whether it be an album, we'll listen to it one time. It's a classic. Like, no, you gotta sit with you ain't gonna know it's a classic. You were able to play that same album for a month straight. Like I had an album, one of my homies, it was in my deck for a year. It was that fire? I didn't never take it out. I just kept playing it and it kept speaking to me. That's how it is with books. I might read 10 or 15 pages and, and talk with Dr. King this morning. Then in the afternoon, though, I might I might grab Powernomics and have a and talk with Dr. Clive for a little while. You know, or, or I, I may, you know, read my word this morning and I'm reading Proverbs chapter eight, but then verse five jumps out at me. Yeah. And, and you know, I done put the book down and I'm now on a whole tangent researching. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's reading books like conversations and that freed yeah. me up because my mind, so many different thoughts were going off sometimes. So what I started doing was creating learning tracks for myself. I'll just have a stack of books like this stack of books is on social injustice and you know, systemic racism and oppression, whatever. This stack of books might be on leadership, you know, this yeah. stack of books might be personal development. And then I'll just, you know, just throughout the day uh, and I read in different mediums, physical right. books audio books, e-books. So it's just like, I'm just trying to create a culture of educating myself daily because my definition of success, you ready? Yes, my I'm ready. My definition of success is when my daily investment into personal development is exponentially expressed monetarily. So this takes the focus off of making money and puts it firmly on the infinite pursuit of knowledge. That's a game changer in itself, Calvin. <laughs> because most people's focus is on making money. 
Exactly. I always say that just as physical real estate has value, our mental real estate has mm -hmm. value, has much more value. So I'm mm -hmm. very, very conscientious of that. That's amazing. Look, I thought I was a talker. Dude, you are a talker. You are so cool. It's called overflow. You know, I have a salsa that I keep on my desk and it's a reminder to me because I'm such a lover of pouring into other people that many times your own cup can become depleted, mm. and even as a woman. So I'm very careful to serve from my overflow, meaning whatever's in the salsa, you guys can have. What's in the cup belongs to me. Yeah. <laughs> so it sounds like you are full and I'm loving it. But there's a couple of things I want to impact. Number one, you said, you told us what it is. I also want to come back and you unpack what it is not, because I'm sure that's a point, you know, that people need to be clear on as well. However, what I want to applaud you on is the fact that within 60 days, 60 days being today, today, over a million people have yeah. gotten behind this quote unquote movement. This is a movement. And right. that is absolutely amazing. I know everybody's like, what in the world? How did you get a million people engaged enough with this? I think it's the perfect setup. Everything that 2020 brought with it, I think it set us up as a culture to really change the game. Hear from brother Will. What you got to say, Will? I feel like he's just waiting. Tag me in. You're in, bro. Tag you in, Will. I mean, I, I definitely agree. I certainly believe that knowledge is power. And just as they say that the other folks, uh, they don't hide information promise intentionally. They hide it in books, Ashley, which is intentional because our community right. mostly don't read, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, but I certainly believe that knowledge is power. And those who don't have the knowledge miss opportunities. Well, I mean, when you're having conversations, people can tell if, if you have knowledge or not based on how you talk and speak and then how you respond and certain things like that, though. So I certainly agree with you, but I definitely love what you guys are doing. It's so needed in our communities. Oh, we're so far behind the eight ball, but I do believe in catching up, just not you know, looking at the negative behind the eight ball. There's always possibilities and things that can allow us to be able to catch up. Definitely support you guys. If there's anything I can do. Please let me know if I can't do it, then I have the resources that probably can too. That's fabulous. Thank, thank you, Will. And that's an excellent segue. Guys, we're already at the halfway point. I'm going to take a quick break just for a few announcements. Savannah, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with you. Wearing masks is not about protecting yourself. It is about protecting others. Several studies have shown that coronavirus infection rates can be significantly reduced by everyone wearing masks or other facial coverings. So face it. It's time to wear a mask. For more information, contact the CDC at www.cdc.gov and click on Coronavirus Disease 2019. How many times have you heard WRUU's corporate underwriting message? If you remember it, then your potential customers remember your message as well. We are offering this space to connect corporate and institutional partners with our loyal and active listeners. Underwriting on WRUU is short, so listeners don't tune out. It's exclusive, so your message won't be lost in advertising clutter. And it supports Savannah's only community radio station. For a marketing package to increase your reach beyond traditional media, email underwriting at WRUU.org. And we're back. You're listening to another episode of Courageous Conversations with Sheree. I want to remind you. We're on today with Calvin, with Natalie, and with William, and we're talking about Blackout Day 2020. Blackout Day started right here in Savannah. And how are you guys feeling after yesterday? What did it feel like? You know, it's one thing to wait on your birthday to come, and then your birthday comes, and it's like, ah, it's yeah, here, you know? Sure. So you set this thing in motion with the help of this beautiful lady, now it's behind you. And then it's so much more to do in front of you. But I believe in celebrating those micro wins as well as the macro wins. How do mm -hmm. you guys feel today? I feel great. You know, like Natalie, you came on the scene like, what, two weeks ago or so? You know, we already had things going. And then she came and said, hey, I started planning this over in Savannah. And it was like, all right, let's check out what you got. And 
and was like, you know what, we can come out there. And this kind of became tester, if you will, for a national business expo that we want to do. But honestly, it feels like the beginning. It doesn't feel like that was like we won the game. Like It's, it's like we in a seven-game series, but like Kobe. Like, you're not going to smile? No. Like, yeah. wow. <laughs> we still got to win the championship. Like, till they come with a real treaty or reparations or whatever they come like I'm not impressed by any of the anything like the kneeling the pictures the play a song at the anthem like yeah I'm like okay bet we showed you now what one day can affect and now we're going to keep applying the pressure more and more and more and more we're going to identify corporate entities that are racist who have been racist who support racist you know and it's not even about racist I I hate just using that term because that can be taking it, you know, they can ride that out, you know, yeah. be, be all in a whole different conversation. It's saying our government, point blank period, is implicit in creating a quality of life for us as Africans in this country that we don't have equal opportunities and stance. They confuse people who are not in our community by showing the white populace those of us who are affluent in the black community yeah and then they kind of deflect to those examples so you know if you got a few hundred millionaires literally if we really look at it we have a few hundred millionaires within our community a few thousand you know but in comparison to the millions you got a few thousand as millionaires and then the rest you know uh the government of the united states of america has to take responsibility that's how it feels. I feel like whether I'm Neo or I'm Agent Smith, I'm going to disrupt the system, you know? Because people, there's a theory. That's one of my favorite movies. There's a theory that Agent Smith is the one. What's the name of the movie? I'm sorry? The Matrix. Oh, The Matrix. <laughs> yeah. <in> the Ma- <laughs> there's a theory that Agent Smith is the one because he's the one that learned how to imprint himself and break out the system to the real world. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so good. You you weren't even at the event yesterday when I was speaking on the panel, but that Ooh. was essentially what I shared yesterday as well. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That That's pretty phenomenal. But, you know, I really want to, we're talking about what this is and obviously what this is not. You know, obviously you're going to always get some pushback somewhere. I don't want to spend any time or energy on that. But I do want to really highlight I mean, that was a major impact in less than 60 days to reach that many people. And obviously, you've gotten enough attention that now you're taking interviews with CNN, so forth and so on. What are you getting from that? Like, what impact do you hope to get by leveraging those opportunities? So I'll answer your question on what it's not. It's not okay. a anti-white people, we hate y'all, or like... Trust me, many of our people in our group wanted to be, why is it white people in the group and why is it this? Me, I'm like, I want all the corporate white sponsors we can find. <laughs> and you ain't got to give us the bread publicly. It's cool. We we got a nonprofit that, hey, if y'all want to just donate the bread anonymously because the, the laws have changed since, I believe, 2015. You no longer have to reveal donors. Uh-huh. So y'all can come quietly, peacefully, drop off the check and thank you. Appreciate you, you know what I'm saying? Because right. it's going to take that. Yeah. They, we, ha- we control one half, one percent of the wealth. And it's been that way since the supposed emancipation. Mm-hmm. Our position in, in, as far as our proportion of wealth that we control in regards to the whole pie is still the same. So yeah. somebody's going to have to give up a portion. Somebody's going to have to say, you know what? I was having a conversation with Dan over at Architectural Digest, right? We did a phone interview. Dan, great interview, white guy. As we were wrapping up, he said, you know what, bro? He said, at the end of the day, I'm a white Jewish man. And no, I haven't beat anybody. I haven't had slaves. I haven't, but I benefit from the system as it is right now. Mm -hmm. And so therefore, because I benefit from the system right now, and I can see the systemic oppression that I benefit from, I have a responsibility. And that's all and that's, we, I think we've been saying, yeah. That's all we're trying to say. It's not, we're not saying that no one else, like, it's not about hate, it's not about nothing, but it's about the fact that if you could see America, United States government, because I, I like, in my free time, I like to read resolutions and treaties. So, like, yeah. at my house, I have, like, a, a manila folder that's 
printed out resolutions from the UN, you know, the International right. Declaration of Peoples of African Descent, the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, the International Covenant on on Human Rights Sanctions. Like I can keep going like a lot of little it's it's like that's my fun stuff because that's when I can get the the language that they speak in. That's why I always reference yes. us as peoples yes. of African descent because that's how the UN talks to about us. Because yes. for them to ever call us black or anything else, there's no protection under the law with those words. Right. People of African descent though ties you to the motherland. And right now, since 2012, we have been recognized as the sixth region of the African Union. But that's another conversation. I don't want to go too deep in there. <laughs> so that's what it's not. It's not all of that other stuff. When it comes to like the CNN interviews and, and all of these things, this is just the, the beginning. This is like the, the course here. They're going to have to do a lot more interviews. And, you know, it's going to come down to eventually they're going to have to sit at the table and ask us, what do you want? Yeah, um, yeah. Because... No, that, nobody's written a check yet. Nobody's written a check. Like, you gave Japanese Americans reparations for two years of internment in this land. Two years. Yeah. Yeah. the whole thing apologizing acknowledging the egregious nature of all this stuff and you cut a check and y'all keep meeting every couple years talking about you acknowledge the atrocities done against us but you no one wants to take this step and just say let's cut this checks but it's not gonna be just not just about money though that's the thing it can't I, be I was gonna come back I was gonna interject that I wanted yeah. to clarify because I know some that can fall on some, you know, weird ears. Yeah, they'll hear So I wanted to just clarify that. Is that the no. point? Is it really, we're about the money? Really? No, no let's talk what about what it really money. is. We got to look at this as crimes against humanity. We got to look at this as war crimes. Yeah, yeah. We got to talk in that particular type of language. When they bombed Hiroshima, what they had to do, you got to walk with these people, get them all the resources and infrastructure to build them back up. And now the yeah. More technologically superior than us. You go in and you destroy and decimate Iraq. Well, guess what? Now you have to stay there and be responsible for building back up the infrastructure in that place. When has America ever reversed the effects of what they did? You took us captive, you dehumanized us, and then you enslaved us. And then on top of that, like if we were talking about, in, like if, 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 if 400 years ago, my family stole from your family intellectual property and then built wealth on it for 400 years and then in court and, and legally and openly me as the great 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 ancestor of my of, of uh, you know or your family whatever I stole from your family so you as the great great ancestor of your family submitted a case in law and proved that my family stole 400 years ago intellectual property from you and built wealth from it and you won what would I have to do we'd have to give up after everything yeah, yeah. We would have to give you what, yeah, you, it wasn't you who was enslaved. It, it wasn't yeah. you specifically that was stolen from, but it was your family and you have a right. That's all we're saying. And, and it's really not even, a, it's really laughable, honestly, that, you know, I, I say laughable in the sense of like, for people to have, like, for the news, people like, is reparations? Like, should they get reparations? Yes! <laughs> reparations to the Jews. You're giving, we send money to the Jews, like they get reparations from America and they weren't even enslaved. So why why even there. question it, right? Why yeah. even question it? Let's just make it, let's rectify the situation and be done with it. You know what I'm saying? It's not even, it's not a, it's not even a question of is it, it's how will. So the same way y'all could whip up trillions of dollars for COVID-19 relief in a matter of days, and, 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 and trillions. Trillions. But yeah. you know what they did also in the midst of that? They allocated six hundred million out of that trillions to create a new digital dollar. Yeah. You know, like so 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 the same way y'all can whip up this stuff, y'all can whip up a comprehensive plan. What I'm talking about, and now do you want me to say where I think that the solution can I'm talking about nineteen twenty nine Lateran Treaty. Okay. See a lot of people the 1929 Lateran Treaty. So what that is, is a treaty, and I just came across this like, like, you know, I'd be asking the Lord for like, what is the, I need it. I got some, yeah, yeah. I've been piecing this together for a while. You know, I, I got a whole note, you know, on what a stateless nation of people is. I, I've really been researching this extensively. Yeah. I finally came across this treaty. The 1929 Lateran Treaty is the treaty between Italy 
and the Holy See, which is the Vatican Church, which turned the Vatican City into a sovereign nation. Mm-hmm. What blew my mind about this is the Vatican City. So think about this. The Vatican City is its own country. Yeah. It's its own sovereign nation. So in 1929, the Roman Catholic Church went from just a religious institution to an actual country. And, it, and in the language of the treaty, it, made, it said that it, it, it was acknowledging the Supreme Pontiff as king. Okay. It gave them diplomatic immunity, their own sovereignty, autonomy. They gave them land. They gave them real estate buildings. They built railways into the Vatican City to allow the Vatican carts to use the railways throughout Italy for free. If you live in the Vatican City and are out and about in Italy, anywhere in the country, you have diplomatic immunity. They allow certain roadways to be used if they have to get resources into the Vatican. The Vatican City is a no-fly area. And any land or buildings that the Vatican owns internationally have the same diplomatic immunity as the Vatican itself, the same way that the District of Columbia is. D.C. is the 10-square physical location of the United States Corporation, which governs the 50 United States of America. But the actual physical location of the United States Corporation is District of Columbia. Yeah. Otherwise, they'd have all the same cameras and security and diplomatic immunity nationwide, but there are yeah. 50 separate states that make it up. So in that same way, so when you look at the Vatican and you realize, oh, wow, the Pope is a king. That's why they go kiss the ring. Oh, wow. The reason why they're not stopping all of this um, uh, raping of these little kids behind these doors and all that is because, one, that's an integral part of their religion because Roman Catholicism is an amalgamation of all of these religions from ancient times, and they are its own country. So each Catholic church and the land that they own is like an embassy. Wow. The United States has no jurisdiction on that land and what they do behind that building. Right. And all these Catholic hospitals that they own. Like you start thinking and you're like, wow, this is how you could be a nation that is functioning in all these different places. And, and this is what's going to blow you away. In the treaty, the only reason, the basis that Italy said that the, the Holy See had, the right that they had made claim to becoming a nation was spiritual jurisdiction. Wow. Not wow. ethnicity, not, you know, like some blood ties or like we used to be, you know, like, like the so-called, you know, Jewish people, they like... Like, we just, we want Palestine. Like, you, your people ain't never been from Palestine. Y'all ain't never been. Like, this is, has no ties to your history at all. But Great Britain just got the right to give these people a land that is completely not associated with them. Same way. Like, they said spiritual jurisdiction. Yeah. So how come we then can't claim spiritual jurisdiction to become our own nation? Yeah. And you give us land and resources. And, and, and you come in the same way you go into these other countries and train, uh, like, for instance, the Syrian rebel force. Y'all went in and trained them and gave them guns and all that, and then they became, I train us up. You know, give us refuge cities. Like, build us up as a nation. Give us the reparations. And then after that, then if y'all want to say, if we, if we find ourselves in a, in a place of destitution at that point, after y'all done, after you balance the books, then, then, then you can say whatever you want about us. Then it's on us. At that point, we can't make no more. We can't we can't say nobody's holding us back. Yeah. So we were talking about, you know, truly investing to make a difference, sustainable quality of life. You just literally, that is my mantra. I was born to raise, to govern, to establish, and to mobilize others for a sustainable quality of life. That's say that again. my assignment, if you will, is to raise those standards, to mobilize, to sustain, to establish others for a sustainable quality of life. That's why I jump out of bed every day. We we're talking about legacy yesterday. And certainly scripture says that a good man leaves an inheritance to his children and his children's children, right? So I have yes. grandchildren. Like I'll have four grandchildren before the end of the year. And I've had a great life. Like, you know, I had a career in banking, so forth and so on. But a lot of things haven't changed. This is my whole point of making this statement. What you just said to me and to us sounds absolutely amazing. It's taking us so many years to get to where we are, and we're in 2020. So in a perfect world, that sounds beautiful, but I'm not willing to wait anymore. 
I yeah. think I think after 2020 has hit, Kobe Bryant's death, George Floyd getting killed, COVID-19 coming on the scene. I mean, there is no going back to whatever was normal. That was absolutely abnormal, if we just put it correctly. So mm -hmm. how do we get the new normal? I think it takes people like you and I being, uh, what do they call it, civil unrest? Mm -hmm. Old enough and courageous enough to raise our voice, to mm -hmm. build that community, but to actually take action. So the call to action, I want you to talk to us about that. What can we do together? He said chaos or community? What's going on here? Some of the things that we have seen, how are we truly changing the narrative? You know, mm -hmm. but more so than just changing and having dialogue, what are we doing to change the game? How are we truly empowering one another for a sustainable quality of life for our children and our children's children. What are we doing there? I know what Will and I are doing. That's with the Second Chance CDFI Bank. And it's not just lending money because honestly, for most minorities, they've been behind the eight ball for so long when it comes to financial sophistication, they're lost. They're absolutely lost. But who has time to go back to school to get a PhD, an MBA, a master's or a bachelor's degree? Life is happening right now right? Mm -hmm. Especially in 2020. Where do we even begin with the unemployment rates going crazy? But now the world is already fast forward. It's an accelerated pace. We're talking about digital currency now. You know what I mean? So how do we stay in the game or get left behind? So I'm curious, now that you have this platform, you have gotten the attention of the media, what do we do? Because I'm at a point where I'm just asking straight up, this is what we need. Instead mm -hmm. of, you know, we were talking about getting in the room, but no, we're going to create our own room right now. But we need That's, to get some of those other rooms too. We right. do need to partner and collaborate. And I'm all for that. And we have calls upon calls. Yesterday I had to scoot away because I have calls all the time. But I'm in the closer mentality now. We got to close the deal. What does that look like for you, man? Listen, you, 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 you speak in my language now. I just spent the last year before I literally left my previous employment selling cars for about a year. I literally had just passed a year there. I was doing well. I would sell at least 15 cars, sometimes 20, 25 a month. So, you know, it's good, but it's very taxing on your time, things of Absolutely. that nature. But a few months into it, the Lord showed me that it was a training ground, you know, learning how to communicate, Absolutely. how to feel, yeah. how to listen to what someone tells you and understand what they really want and things of that nature. And like you said, none of that matters. All the skills and selling don't matter if you can't close. Grant Cardone, baby, you got to, <laughs> hey, the closest survival guy, but that's what I'm, I learned in audio book. You got to be able to close the deal or you ain't going to eat. Oh, don't start me because I'm, I'm listening to that now. <laughs> like right now, I'm listening to yeah, that. Yeah, I, he has so many little anecdotes in there that's yeah. just beautiful. Just, anyway, so yeah, I just, <laughs> I got my probably like eight, selling audiobooks on my phone just stuff that you know i love zig ziglar all that it's it comes to the point where i'm on what martin was on i gotta cut the check and i say that's the like simplest way to say it, cut the check but that encompasses a lot like i said the same way and echoing martin these are the things he said like you know in the same time that you, these slaves that you freed you gave them nothing no land no nothing in the words of Frederick Douglass, you know, freedom for the slave was freedom to the winds and the rains. But at the same time, you're giving, giving away millions of acres of land. You're setting up land-grant colleges to teach these individuals how to farm. Why? Because they didn't know, because we were the ones farming and cultivating the land for all these hundreds of years. We was the ones building the houses and slaves. Like, that same thing that you did for them, you need to do for us. So let me ask you a question then, because I was posed this question. Right. We, William and I were on the phone with a pretty significant serial entrepreneur. And, you know, if they ask you the question, the million right. dollar, the ten dollar, the hundred thousand dollar question, what are you going to do with the funds, the use of the funds? If someone is listening to this interview right now, they want to know, OK, mm -hmm. write the check. You say write the check. I'm just going to put it out there. White people do business completely different than black people. Right. Strategic. And they're thinking about either the social impact or the ROI, the return on the investment. Mm -hmm. So the use of the funds, we have to be so strategic when we're having these conversations to say A, B, C, and D. 
This is exactly what we're gonna do with 10 grand here. We got 50 grand, this is how we're gonna divide that thing up. How is mm -hmm. those gonna be used and what is the impact? King, I'm shifting our conversation now about the goal, the outcome yeah. and the results. You know, you hear about smart yeah. goals all the time, right? Realistic stuff. Like mm -hmm. what do we expect? And then after we do this, are you guys gonna stop saying we're not helping? Yet that we did support, that we did do it? Like, what are we gonna see? What impact? How can we measure that investment? Talk to us about that. So, I'm glad you said You're giving all the great alleys. I feel like you're LeBron right now. You've been placing <laughs> live perfect. And I'm just catching the mug. So that lends more to the mission of my nonprofit, right? I Am We International is the name of our nonprofit. It's a 501c4, not a 501c3. So the 501c4 nonprofit is, is what's designated as a social welfare organization, right? So the beauty of a 501c4, out of all of the nonprofit designations, that's the only one that is allowed to move in the space of pursuing legislation and lobbying and politicians and things of that nature. I, I've set up an avenue already and, and it's interesting seeing the support and, you know, obviously One United Bank has openly been supporting me and, yeah. um, you know, Kevin Cohey, the president, he just called me last night, like we're figuring out, you know, he's, you know, he's just trying to help with structure and resources and PR and, and you know, and, and there's a lot of, we're just figuring out what, what the relationship looks like and what we need to do. And Miss Natalie, she's been helping with putting together, we actually got the sponsorship package already done. Like we got the, the corporate sponsorship package, the local sponsorship package. But to me, I don't want just a check. Like I want a comprehensive treaty. That's why I said with our, with the nonprofit, we'll be able to pursue that. So mm -hmm. best believe I done studied that whole letter and treaty for all intents and purposes. I'm going to copy paste, substitute the names, places, times, and, and, and things but a comprehensive treaty that we say, look, we're going to keep blacking out and escalate the pressure of what that looks like. Like if we got to be 381 days straight, like the bus boycott or whoever it is, like if we got to say, you know, I don't like to say nobody's name, but hey, if we got to say we boycotting this particular gas company, if black people not buying Newports no more, like yeah. whatever it is that we got to do to apply pressure until somebody goes crying to Congress Ooh. and say, Give them this damn treaty that they want so we can figure it out so that y'all can restore us to a place where now the conversation can be nation to nation, not nation to a people that they got under their boot and telling them to put themselves. This is what I'm saying. You just got like yeah. all kind of goosebumps all over me. When you said apply pressure, that is it. And I just saw the whole video with George Floyd all over again. Mm -hmm. But see, look, the beauty of these blackouts, right? The beauty of the social, you said something earlier. It's not going back. We're never going back outside. Like, we, this is outside now. Yeah, this is outside. This is outside. And we're, in a, we're literally in a time, we're in this dispensation where technology is connecting us globally. And so through technology and through social media and, and the power of the internet, we're able to, to, to spread the word globally in a matter of seconds. And yes. so like, in future blackouts, like if something like George Floyd happens again, we putting the word out instantly and we'll be blacking out the next day. We ain't waiting 60 days no more. Wow, applying the pressure right there. That's applying yeah. pressure. That's it. That is like, it. We're going to like, 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 be like, listen, you know what I'm saying? Like we could do it however they want. Like say it happened, something happened in Miami. We could be like, all right, like all black people in Miami, not, you know what I'm saying? Until these cops is arrested, like whatever it got to be, like, but... Like I said in my original video, the only way we're going to get changed is when they fear hurting us. Like we, as when I say, and I say we as yeah, African like, people in this, we fear hurting them. The yeah. other, we don't never hear about incidents in any other community. Like this. No one, no one's in the Jewish community. They don't even police the Jewish community because the Jewish community polices themselves. They leave them to be. They're not going to mess with nobody. They're not even trying to pull them over because they don't even want to have to deal with the backlash. If they, they don't want to have to deal with the Chinese consulate or, or the Chinese mafia or any of those other entities if they, if word get out that they did wrong you know what I'm saying? They don't want to deal with the, with the sheiks over there, the Arabs that could come really, they got money. Like, y'all yeah. did this to one of our people? Like, they're going to come. You know what I'm saying? Hispanics even, they don't really want to. We're the only people that have no protection of nationality in this country. Wow. We don't have that's, that's of origin. 
We don't have it. And so that means we're being deprived of our universal human rights. Article 15, point number two, under the Universal Declaration of Human Rights of 1954 from the UN says that every person has the right to nationality and the right to change their nationality. And the under covenant, the international covenant that they're under, the United States, but by being a part of the United Nations, says that it is literally a crime against humanity to deprive someone of their nationality. Wow. Point one of Article 15 says that we have the right to, uh, to seek asylum against discrimination. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so I, I'm 100% I'm convinced the only solution is them to give us a comprehensive treaty and plan for reparations and restitution and restoration and rehabilitation of us duly and holy as individuals. Wow. Until that is done, everything they're talking about means nothing. The civil rights legislation and the voting rights legislation was a farce. It did nothing. Like Martin Luther King says, the eradication of slums costs millions. Yeah. Now at this point, billions probably. And, and the reason why that is necessary because y'all created the slums. Yeah. You orchestrated intentionally to create sectioned off communities where we live and y'all left us to ourselves, remove the resources out of our communities. You deindustrialized the communities to where we can't work in the factories and develop a trade. You stripped us of every single thing we ever tried to build to have our own nation building skills. You know, we talk about Black Wall Street, we talk about all these things. So it's finally time. 400 years is up. Just like Trump declared the 400 years of African descent here, he declared it last year. It's, they know what time it is. And you mentioned scripture earlier. They believe the scriptures. They know. They know it's judgment time right now. This is why in the first three quarters of 2019, over 1,300 CEOs resigned. Mm -hmm. Right before COVID-19 hit. Yeah. Over 1,300 of them resigned, pulled their money out, and put it in trust funds, and left to their private islands. <laughs> Because yeah. they know what's going on. So I think it's definitely a changing of the guards, guys. With five minutes left, I want you guys to jump in and wrap it up. I especially want you to give a call to action. Calvin, William, it sounds like you had a comment. And if Natalie likes to share anything before we wrap up, five minutes. That's all we have, guys. Go ahead, William, jump in. Yeah, speaking to all the CEOs that did drop down from these major companies, I did see that. Uh, that did happen uh, just right when the pandemic started. Seeing Bill Gates drop down from the board. Seeing a lot of CEOs from these major corporations, they dropped down. They basically dropped down from their position. So I'm not sure if they knew that this pandemic was coming or if they knew that his reparations was going to happen. And I mean, just a lot of different things like that. Right, right, right. Yeah, they yeah. certainly did step down, though. Yeah, they stepped down. Yeah, yeah, they shut it down, bro. Like you said, it could be both and, as you say, instead of either or, you know, it could be both and. Oh, mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely. Wow, yeah. that's really good. Natalie, any last words as we wrap it up? I'm encouraged, this young man right here, he's, he's encouraging, and to see the movements. When you talk about over a million people, over a million, five people, over, you know, in less than 60 days, this is yeah. a movement. It is and, a movement. We are, and we have to continue these courageous conversations. And this is a conditioning. Uh, you know, we, yes, we're going to be strategic in what we're doing, but also understand we're learning, we're educating one another. Mm -hmm. This is a conditioning process because we have to understand that it's not just one day that we are looking at. This is not blackout day and it's done. This is right. understanding that you have a responsibility. There's a stewardship that is required with your dollars because they are the tools in which to build this nation. Mm. It's one thing to give us the land. It's one thing to give us the space. But if we don't have the tools to build the nation upon it, and the tool is the check. It's not a bad thing. People want to try to deem it as a negative. The tool is a check. Any house renovation you get, you got to have the money to flip it. So I'm excited about this movement. I encourage everyone to get on board because this right here is scripture. This is kingdom. That is beautiful. And this, it, this, let's go. I'm ready. Let's, let's go. go. Let's go. But that's yes. it. We're going to go. Hey, look, the call to action, real simple. One, if you're on Facebook, you can go to The Blackout Coalition. Just make sure it's the one with 1.7 million people in there That's and you'll right. be in the right group. Also, you know, you can go to blackoutday.org and just click the take action button 
and be able and you know be tapped in with what have your email and be able to send out email blasts to you and you stay in the know. But but besides that, just stay tuned. Uh, the Blackout Coalition, you know, does have its own website as well. We will roll that out at the proper time. We have built a comprehensive uh, business directory that that we want to be the international version of the Green Book, and so that's Blackout dot directory. You can sign up for like 99 cents a month. You can feature your business in there. And the way we have it set up, you can find businesses uh, near you based on your location. But that's another episode of Courageous Conversation with Cherie. That was Calvin, Natalie, William, and Cherie. We're talking about Blackout Day, Savannah. This is a movement. Thank you guys so much for being on. This is another episode of Courageous Conversations with Cherie. We'll see you again next week, Savannah. Until then, take care and see you soon.